Well, let's pray as we look into the word. Our God, we ask for the special help of your spirit now to uh, enlighten our minds and our hearts. Help us to see the glories that are in the salvation that we possess. Help us also uh, to learn about uh, being steady and being firm and uh, asking for wisdom in time of trial. Uh, we need your help in all these things, Lord. We pray that you would uh, give it to us. We ask in the confidence of the help of your spirit and the intercession of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, we'll uh, get to James in a, a few minutes. I'd like you to turn uh, first uh, to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Uh, we're going to look at two passages that underscore uh, the things that James said uh, or says in his uh, letter, but James says things in a, a compact way. So uh, Romans uh, 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And, and you see uh, the similarities with James. Uh, the reason that I wanted to uh, mention this verse and the first Peter is because James is abbreviated. He says, consider it all joy, brethren. That's his description of their salvation. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're my brethren. But Paul is developing an argument, you might say, in Romans to prove that men are sinful and that we need to be justified by faith alone. And that's where he's come to the end of chapter 4. And then you notice the first word in chapter 5 is, Therefore, uh, there's a connection uh, with what he's doing, that he, he's moving on in his uh, uh, progress. Uh, since we have been justified by faith, there's, there's something that's been done. There's something that's been accomplished. It, it hasn't been done by works. It hasn't been done because the people had a Jewish heritage. But like David and Abraham in chapter 4, it, it's by faith. I have no way of being saved unless I have faith in Christ, un unless I have faith in the cross, unless I have faith in the atonement. Uh, that's the idea. And it's past tense, past tense. We have been uh, justified. Uh, faith trusts in the work of Christ, and we have peace with or, or, or toward God. We, we couldn't have that. We couldn't have that before. So he's coming to these conclusions. I'm justified by faith. I have peace with God. Before, I was a rebel. In my heart, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I was not going to submit. And now God's put peace there, and I have peace with him or towards him. It's an amazing thing. And through Jesus Christ, we have access to this grace in, in, in which we do what? We stand. That's where I am. Now I'm in a position of grace. I'm standing in grace. 
before I stood in judgment, before I stood in danger of going to the lake of fire for eternity, before it was different. Now, because of Christ, I have access and I stand in a position of grace. And he says, in this we greatly rejoice because the, because the end result is the hope of the glory of God. Our hope is, is, is now that one day I'm going to see God's glory. I see a little bit here and there. I see it in the word. I, I, I think I've seen it sometimes in, in, in what God has made and what God does and answers to prayer and things. I, I, I think I see a little bit. But one day we're going to see it right there. And that's our hope. The God who now I have peace with, I'm going to see him in real life. I'm going to see him in my, in my body and in my soul. And then there's the switch, just like James more, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Well, well, wait a minute. Things are going along pretty good until this point. But, but we are going to suffer. We are going to face difficult. We are going to face those things. We rejoice. One, one version uses the term exalt. We exalt in our salvation, but we exalt in our, 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 our problems, our sufferings. But here, Paul is exactly the same as James, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Right. James says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It's knowledge that I carry with me all along. But that's hard. It's hard for us. James is talking to people who are poor, dispersed, everything, and he's telling them, this is the attitude you have to have. Remember, be a mature Christian now. Get as mature as you can in the Christian faith now because you're already poor, you're already dispersed, you're already persecuted. And the same thing for us. Be a mature Christian now. Don't wait. Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you, are you putting on the armor? Right? It, there, there's no friends out there. There's no friends in the world. And, and trial is going to come. But, but notice, suffering produces endurance. And then as I endure, endurance produces character. I don't know, I don't know how many times if, you know, a parent might tell a child, oh, I don't want to do this. Well, let's do it. It builds character. Well, that's, I don't really want to build character right now. <laughs> but, but that's what happens in our trials. It, it builds character. We, 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 become, we become more like Christ. We become more like we should. It builds character. And character produces hope even though we have it already somehow character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame and, and that's and that's paul's way because god's love has been poured out in our, in our hearts suffering endurance character hope not put to shame the the goal of looking at this passage it is to just make you more sure about the bedrock of your faith, about your salvation. Uh, trials are going to come. Difficulties are going to come. But you have to know beneath everything is Christ. Beneath everything is your salvation. You're justified by faith. You have peace towards God through Christ. You stand in grace, and, and here comes all the difficulties. Here comes that financial problem. Here comes that lost job. Here comes this. Here comes disease. Here comes sickness. Here comes all this 
uh, all these things. But one thing that it can never shake is the fact that you stand justified in Christ and you have peace with God. That's what, that's what I'm driving at. 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, Peter says it in a, in a different way, a, a beautiful way. He is speaking to uh, uh, people that are dispersed also. Uh, he calls them elect exiles in the dispersion, same as James. Uh, and they're in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And, and those aren't city names, those are area names. So he's not saying in these five cities, he's saying in, everywhere in these five areas. Uh, and then uh, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. God had great mercy, and what did he do? He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Everything that I believe is, is, is hinged, is hooked on to the resurrection. Do I have a hope for heaven? Well, yes, I do. How come? Because Jesus was raised. Do I have a hope that my sins really are all gone? Yes, I do. Why? Because Jesus was raised from the dead. That's why. Now, where's our inheritance? Look at our inheritance. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. And it's unfading. And it's kept in heaven for you. The, the first thing is, it can't be destroyed. The second thing is, it, it can't be messed up or changed or sullied or dirtied in any way. It can't be defiled. And, and it's unfading. It, it can't fade away. It's always going to be the same. And, and the other thing, it's kept or it's reserved. It's reserved in heaven for you. That's how glorious it is, those, those things. Uh, we're we're going to take a, a plane trip to go to the conference. And we're going to have a ticket. And the ticket is going to say, you sit in 7A. And I can have all the confidence in the world that I'm going to carry my bag and look, and look right? Five, six, seven, A, B, C, A. That's my seat. It's kept. It's kept for me. I have the ticket. Peter is saying your, your salvation is kept like that. You, you have the blessed hope of Jesus Christ. Your salvation is as sure. There's a seat for you. Jesus says there's many mansions. If it wasn't true, I wouldn't have told you. Personally, I don't want a mansion. I want to get rid of this sin. Amen. I don't care. Square footage. Just get rid of the thing that doesn't serve God. Get, get rid of that. Amen. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to re be revealed in the last time. Well, that kind of seals it up even more, doesn't it? We're guarded by God's power until the time that it's, that it's revealed and it comes. But here comes the difficulty. Verse 6, in this you rejoice. You say, this salvation that I have just causes me to rejoice. It's the same word that Paul used. I'm rejoicing in my salvation. Though now, he says, I love this, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved. Okay, well, let's get rid of the necessary and, and skip that part. No, you've been grieved by various trials. 
so that the tested genuineness of your faith. Do you have faith? Well, sometimes it's going to be tested and it's got to be proved. It's got to be. It, this is the word that that you would say you would assay something. A-S-S-A-Y. You would you would put silver and 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 cook it and the dross would come to the top and you would purify it and you would see wow this is this is genuine this is twenty four karat gold this is this karat gold and he uses that the the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire may be found to result in in the, in the praise of God once again the the, the point that I want to make is look at your salvation look at your salvation that's the bedrock that's that's what we stand on that's what we rejoice in and and trials and difficulties they're going to come they're going to they're going to follow but it's it's amazing that they use the same words rejoice or exult peter's talking to some of the same people they're talking about various trials they're talking about testing they're talking about the, these different things the, the, it, it's the same, the various trials. And, the, and then we get, to, we get to James, and he's not, he's not developing anything, but he just goes right into it. And he says, consider it all joy. He doesn't talk about justification by faith first. He doesn't talk about imperishable, unfading, undefiled, and kept in heaven for you. He doesn't talk about that. He just says, uh, here it comes. So the, the last time when we were together, uh, we kind of looked at the words and put, put the words in a, in a structure, in a sense. Uh, today, we're going to go over some of the same things, but, but try to put a little more meat on the bones. And, and we'll look at the, uh, the, the need, uh, the exhortation, the encouragement, the promise, uh, the caution, and the consequences. Um, the need comes in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom. Uh, the context uh, is trials. This is uh, speaking of one's lack of wisdom uh, when they encounter trials. Here, it's just like the other ones. James says, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, the end of verse 4. And then he says, if anyone lacks. Paul says, you have this great salvation and you rejoice but you need to rejoice in trials too. And Peter says your salvation is unfading, undefiled, imperishable, and kept in heaven for you. But he says now you might, if necessary, have to be tested by trials. There's a, a supposition in, in the statement, if any of you uh, lacks wisdom. We kind of touched on this so we can, we can uh, move through it. There's a conscious need. There's a, a realized spiritual need uh, i know if i'm short in my bills but this is not a i'm short on my bills this is a a realized spiritual need uh, this is a, a a recognition that in my spiritual life in my walk with god i, I need something i need something more uh, uh, than what i have uh, it's it's wisdom and uh, it's something useful it's like a commodity i i need this if I had, if I had uh, no lights in the home, I might purchase a generator, generator, and the generator would be a commodity, something I use. Well, that, that, that's what it becomes. Uh, the need uh, for wisdom uh, in trial. Uh, 
And then he exhorts them, he gives them the command, uh, let him ask God. And uh, we looked at this, this is a, an imperative. Uh, this is what you should do. You should be praying, you should be asking God. Uh, God is the source of all wisdom. Here, uh, he describes God as in his attributes. He's the source of wisdom, and the one who lacks is in need. His need in trial is to is to get uh, what God has. You remember maybe that uh, uh, Thomas Manton said, certainly they want most uh, that want nothing. Yeah. So if you're not praying for anything, you're not going to get anything. And you actually want the most if you say, I don't need anything. And he says, be sensible of your condition. His uh, pithy statement shows us the, the, the core danger. People that didn't uh, think that they needed anything. The, the rich young ruler. Uh, what could I do to be saved? Well, here's what you should do. And he says, well, I've done all of that. I've got all these things checked off. I really don't need anything. I'm ready. And Jesus says, well, the, here's what you lack. Here's what you lack. Go and, and sell your stuff. But that's the same thing. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't say, oh, I, I don't need anything. Uh, I've been through this kind of trial before. Uh, I never believed that uh, I would be out of work as many times as I was. Oh, you're in computers, they would say. You're set. You're all set. Oh, really? Well, God had different plans, right? Economies had different plans. And yet, we could tell somebody and we could tell anybody that we, we saw God provide in ways that you couldn't even believe it. How did you get through nine months of unemployment and then buy a house? I have no idea. How could this happen and that happen? I don't know. The Lord just provided. Uh, so that's what happened. Uh, Matthew Henry says, make right use of trials. Oh, here's a trial. How, how should I make it useful? He says, we should not pray so much for the removal of an affliction as for wisdom to make the right use of it. To be wise in trying times is a special gift of God, and to him uh, we must seek for it. That, that's where we have to go. You're saved, that's for sure, but the trials is going to come. God said it in all these passages. So he expects He expects the trouble, and and he allowed this trouble to come. It's his, it's his providence in your life. And that's, and that's how we walk, isn't it? I walk every day and I ask God every day. I thank God every day. And when I'm in trial, then I have to ask for wisdom every day. I turn. Maybe I'm not saying thanks as much, but I'm saying give me wisdom much more. Uh, Dr. Dr. Manton again says, there is a need of great wisdom for the right managing of afflictions, just like Matthew Henry. Cheerful patience, he says, is a holy art and a skill which a man learns from God. He quotes Paul. Paul says, I've learned to abound and to be abased. You learned how to be abased? Yeah, I learned. <laughs> how? Uh, I can remember a, a, an old Bible teacher of mine, a, a female. She was kind of noted at that uh, Bible college because she taught all this stuff. And she'd come to Paul's letters and she would go, what makes Paul tick? And when she was talking about it, now you, you could see. How, how do you tick like that? 
How, how did you learn to be a base? How did you learn in every situation to be content? How did people beat you up, stone you, uh, do all this stuff to you, and you still go out and preach the gospel? What makes you tick? And she, you know, she would come to another verse and she'd say it again. And, and in the beginning, as a young believer, I said that that's amazing. What does make him tick? Such a hard lesson needs much learning, he says. Every providence has a voice, though sometimes it be so still and low that it requires some skill to hear it. Our spirits are most satisfied when we discern God's aim in everything. And that's hard to do sometimes. Well, well, what about this affliction? Here we go again. I don't have a job again. I'm out of work again. And uh, Manton says our spirits are most satisfied when we discern uh, God's aim in everything. I can remember being let go. I, I got a sticky note on my computer. That was the, that was the, the beginning of the end. See me in the office. You're gone. Unceremoniously. What, 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 what? No time for what, what? I have to take your badge and walk you out of the building. And I can remember that. I got out there. It was a beautiful day. I said, Lord, it's a beautiful day, but I'm in trouble again. I need your help again. We got, we got to work th through this. Here we go again. Let endurance have its perfect work. That's, that's what it says. Manton sums it up. We usually wear, like clothes, we usually wear with thanks what we win by prayer. And those comforts are best improve, improved, which we receive on our knees. And, and he says, make the right use of trials, but, but, but pray. And then when you see God's answers, you know, this is exactly what I've been praying for. And it's exactly what God gave. And at the end of the trial, I can say, I don't know how God provided for us for those nine months, but I know that he did. And, and your, your faith is strengthened and you have more hope. Then, then you say, now I can look at those passages and I know what they mean. I have more hope now because I've seen God work personally in my life. Go to work today. You don't have a job. Now what am I going to do? Nine months later, I can't believe what God did in those nine months. And the, and the passages exegete themselves to you. But nothing ever changed what's undefiled, unfading. Nothing ever changed what's kept in heaven for me. Nothing ever changed the, the justification by faith that I can rejoice and exult in. But then God taught us how to rejoice in a trial and say, look, we, God did something here. So then we come to the encouragement because God gives to all generously. First of all, we have to remember that God does this in the broadest terms. Psalm 145 says he takes care of everything, all the creatures of the earth, everything God takes care of with bountiful goodness. So who do I go to for wisdom? Well, I go to God, but I have to know he's, he's generous to everybody. He gives to all his creatures. How do I, how do I get wisdom? Well, I pray for it, but, but what does God say about wisdom? He says, that's what you should be asking for. Uh, Already. Proverbs chapter 1. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing. In righteousness, justice, and equity. 
to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So not only is he, he generous to everybody, but he, he already has set up the Proverbs and said, get wisdom, get wisdom all the time. Look for wisdom. Uh, uh, ch chapter, uh, uh, chapter two, Solomon says, make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call for insight and raise your voice for, understand, for understanding. Seek it like silver, he says. Search for it like hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And notice chapter 2, verse 7. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Where's all this wisdom come from? Well, it's stored up. It's stored up, Solomon says. So not only is God generous to all, but he already has said, go get wisdom because I've got storehouses of it for you. And you're going you're gonna to learn how to, how to walk and discern things in your life. And then when trials come, you, you'll be better equipped. But you also then can pray for more wisdom. The next is, the, is an encouragement from uh, uh, Christ's words. Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Is this only in trials? No, Jesus says this is all the time. Everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Well, that's good. That's an encouragement to prayer. And, and then here's this illustration. What man is there among you when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Dad, I'm hungry. Can I have some bread? Here's a stone. Well, nobody would do that. Dad, I'm hungry. Could I have a fish? No. Here, take this snake. If you then, being evil, know how to good give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? You see, there's another picture. It, it's given freely. He desires us to, to have wisdom. But if I ask for wisdom, what? What the parable is saying, what Jesus is saying is, you're going to get what you ask for. God's not going to play tricks on you. Oh, you want wisdom? I'll give you something else. Oh, you're asking for wisdom? Here, here's a snake. No. If you ask for wisdom, what are you going to get? Wisdom. From the God who stores up wisdom. From the God who has wisdom. And you can ask at any time. So... So that's all I'm trying to do. We did a word study. I'm just trying to make this fuller and richer because, because this teaching is all through the Bible. Yes, yes. Oh, when I really get in the pinch, that's the only time I should ask? No, no, no. You continually ask all the time and God continually gives exactly what you need all the time. And it will be given to him. It's a promise in a sense that, uh, that James says. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. What, what God says is, is what he does. He fulfills what he has promised. His purposes are, are, are executed in, in our lives. 
daily in our lives, there's promises that are affecting, uh, affecting us. There's global promises too, right? There's never been a flood again. And he says, seed time and harvest, that's going to come. No flood. That's still going. All these other promises, they're, they're, they're working. Let him ask and, and God will give it to him. But then, here's the caution. Let him ask in faith without any doubting. So you ask in faith and you stay in faith and you don't go back to doubt. The proper way of asking is to ask in faith. In the context, it's a particular act of trust. I trust God for my daily provision. I trust God for things all the time. Here in trial, it's a particular act of trust. Uh, Mark 11, 24 uh, encourages us. <clears throat> Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be given to you. The context of is that it's the testing of our faith. And then we ask in faith. We're, we're always, in, the just live by faith. We always are walking <coughs> by faith and not by sight. We know our faith is being tested. And now we lack and we have to ask in faith. The pressure of a trial uh, is that it, it goes against our faith. But doubting is bad. Doubting means unbelief or uncertainty or skepticism. You could tell me something and I, I say, oh, I'm, I doubt that. I doubt that. It means that I don't, I don't believe that what you said is going to happen. And that's, that's really the idea, isn't it? It's pretty strong. It's pretty strong comparison, faith and doubt. Oh, God promised... God promised help in trial. He promised it would make me better, more patient, more endurance. He promised that proven character would have hope. I doubt that. You see the difference? Oh, he said, I exalt, I rejoice in salvation. He said, it's undefiled, unfading. It's right there. It's reserved in heaven for me. That's great. That's great. Now comes a trial. You need help. Well, I doubt that. It's a contradiction, isn't it, in a sense? It's a dangerous contradiction. Because unbelief, unbelief comes in. Manton says, carnal reason is faith's worst enemy. Right? I, I can't figure it out. Why, why is the Lord doing this, right? Those times I was told, oh, you're in computers, you're, you're set. I couldn't figure it out. If I'm so set, how come this is the second time I lost my computer job? If I'm so set, how come this other career move that I made blew up in my face and now I have nowhere to turn? <coughs> if you reason carnally, then doubt can come in and you're, you're taking it to yourself and you just have to, you just have to 
constantly pray and cast it up to the Lord. But look at the consequence of, uh, of doubting. Uh, first of all, we, we should ask ourselves, what's being doubted? Well, God's being doubted. God's liberality and the promise of receiving wisdom is what's being doubted. In the context, it's not just a, a fearful Christian who has doubts. This is someone who, in times of trials, uh, prays, but he's not settled in his mind about God's generosity, that, that God really wants to help. Uh, the simile of the doubter is that it is like the, sur the, the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. The, the sea doesn't do anything. It's, it's, the, it's the wind that drives it. The doubter is, is alike. He, he's driven around. Uh, one of the commentators kind of gets that picture, right? You could see the waves almost. At one time cast on the shore of faith and hope. At another rolled back into unbelief. At one time raised up. At another time tossed onto the sands of despair. Now, that, that, that's a dangerous spiritual condition. But, but James pastorally wants them to know this is what you need to avoid. Because this is what you're like. Have you ever seen the ocean, ever been to the shore? That's what you're like. Uh, sometime, probably in your lifetime, you got into a, a round pool and you made a whirlpool, right? And you go around and around and around and around and around. And after a while, you could kind of float along. But see, that's what happens with doubt, isn't it? Who, who's, causing the, who's causing the water to keep going and going? Nobody, you stopped you stopped going around and around to get the whirlpool started, but that's what doubt does. It, it's going to carry you along. That's, that's the picture of the water. Here comes another wave of doubt. And then, and then we used to get the thing going and say, okay, turn around. And you try to turn into the, to, to the, and then you would feel that force, that power. But, but doubt is like that. Doubt breeds doubt the sea reminds us of that the expectation of the doubter this is this is this is the emphasized negative what is the doubter going to receive from the lord and james says nothing in trials in trials that's the last thing that i need to have in trials, I need what? Something. The last thing I want in trials is nothing. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. I, we went from God giving you everything liberally to you receiving nothing and having nothing. That's no good. But that's what the, but that's what the doubt brings in. You end up not receiving anything from the Lord. Such doubting as ends not in faith frustrates prayers. Manton said, and makes them altogether vain and fruitless. Wednesday night we we had a lesson and Gary brought up uh, uh, Acts chapter twelve and they were praying that Peter would go out of prison. And the angel comes and delivers him and he knocks on the door. And Rhoda comes, and she's amazed, and she runs back and says, Peter's at the door. And they say he can't be at the door. 
Consider it all joy when, when you have trials, knowing that the test of your, testing of your faith produces patience if anyone lacks wisdom. God help me in this trial to have wisdom. Here's the wisdom that you need. I don't believe that. I can, that's not the real wisdom I need. That's not the help I need. That's not Peter at the door. It's a vision or a ghost. Can you imagine that? That's what they made up. They already said the servant girl went there and didn't even see a real person. How does that happen? But, that, but that's not believing, right? Then you could see what is the consequence. James says it's a double-minded man unstable in all his ways. It's a person that literally, he makes up the word, it's like a, a person that literally has two souls. And one says this, and one says that. And one says this, and one says that. He talks in, uh, in, in chapter 4, verse 8, Purify your hearts, you double-minded. There's people living there that are double-minded about the Christian life. They're arguing and fighting, and then sometimes they're fine. Then they're arguing and fighting, and sometimes they're fine. He says, you've got to stop that. You can't walk two walks with God. Oh, I got the good walk going, I got the bad walk going. Can't do it. It's double-minded, and the, and the result is unstable uh, in all your ways. For the unstable man, internal confusion brings external instability. Uh, your, heart your heart guides your steps, but if you have a bad heart or a doubting heart, then you have doubting steps. The double soul is uh, is unstable and then he he uses a a, a a phrase there unstable in all his ways so you could see it kind of spreads out in all his ways it, it becomes in all his ways even though it's just in trial he didn't he didn't ask with faith now he's going back and forth unstable in all his ways Every direction he goes, he's unstable because he doesn't, uh, doesn't believe. You, you divide your heart. Uh, you divide your heart and become unstable in all your ways. And, and just as, as we close, I just want you to think uh, about your salvation and the passages that we started with because that is the backdrop. You, you have to be converted. You have to have your sins forgiven you. You have to have faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once that's settled, then you're settled. Once that's settled, then the, the salvation is imperishable, unfading. It, it's there. It's reserved. It's kept. Once that's settled, you are standing in grace. You, you're standing in the purposes of God. You're, you're standing. And, and trials are going to come. And sickness is going to come. And disappointment and losing jobs when you have a... You have a career, you should never lose your job. Oh, well, we're downsizing. Well, here we go again. But, but we have to heed the exhortation. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. What does God do? He gives generously. He gives generously anyway to the entire creation. But he gives generously if you ask for wisdom. How come? Because that's what he told you to do in the first place. He's got wisdom stored up. Solomon could tell his son, 
Go find it because it's just stored. There's like a storehouse of wisdom for your life. You wonder, how am I going to live in a messed up world? Well, you, you, you find the wisdom from God. You find the wisdom in the Proverbs. You, you search God's word. Amen. And then how do you ask? I ask in faith. I ask knowing that God's providence brought me to the trial. He encourages me to pray and he's going to get me through the trial. Amen. And then what happens? You, you cut through the trial and you say, those verses are right. My character was built. I have more hope now than I did before. I know the promises of God are true because I saw them worked out in, in this period of illness or this trial or this difficulty. But we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that God works in us to will and to do for his good pleasure. Yes. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for these things. We're thankful for the thorough uh, uh, exhortations in your word that cover all these uh, topics that we've looked at. We are thankful that you're generous to all creation and especially those who need wisdom. We're also thankful that you have storehouses of wisdom. And we're thankful that even though, if necessary, our faith is tested, that the result should be that it's proven to be more precious than gold, that we might gain uh, in hope and in our character and in our patience and endurance. We are also thankful because we know that there is a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ that is coming and that he will return and we will see the very glory of God. We're thankful for these things through Christ. Amen.